0: Welcome to the latest 2LO rebooted conference report where we ask the people who've been out and about to tell us what they've seen that could change our world. In this edition we hear about developments at the recent IFA trade fair which was attended by delegates from the Blue Room.
1: I'm Colin Warhurst and I'm a technologist in the BBC Blue Room, the BBC's consumer technology lab and showcase and research department.
0: And you've been out and about I understand with your colleagues. Where have you been?
1: So James Hand, who works in the Blue Room in Birmingham mailbox, and I went to the International Funkestellung Berlin, which is abbreviated to IFA, and it's Europe's largest trade show for consumer electronics and home appliances. James and I were tasked in trying to get beyond the marketing hype and all the slogans to look at the latest activity in audio, TV, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, internet things, smart homes, and of course, voice.
0: And is this something you go to regularly? The Blue Room
1: regularly attends conferences like EFA and CES and It's for that uncovering of the trends. We try and get behind the the noise, as I say, and the the marketing stuff to sort of see what the industry is really thinking, what they're trying to get consumers to think, what sort of influences are at play. And we've been going to ETH for at least three years. Um, We've been writing reports in this particular format for the last three years and they're available on our Gateway page. Uh, So it was good to go this year. Having looking back at the two years, sort of measuring the same things, and sort of seeing the changes and the trends taking place.
0: What were the highlights for you?
1: in terms of highlights there's a number of things we covered but as a sort of you know three big takeaway headlines was that in terms of video and audio two of the big biggest categories uh this felt like a year where nothing much had changed we're waiting for the next seismic shift a new big feature to come along as something new uh so this was sort of a dip year between audio and video it's very much business as usual uh which leads into our second point um, regarding ultra high definition and high dynamic range which was everywhere on most vendors stands every single one of them had TVs that could do high dynamic range in all of the major flavors of HDR. So it's very much the new normal. It was in most of the screens that we saw.
0: That's that's interesting. So we you reckon in terms of the consumer technology we've now reached the point where this will just become the standard that people buy. They they won't be buying sets that don't do HDR.
1: So obviously this is the 2017 trade show. So the TVs being demonstrated here are the flagship latest top of the line models so even though most of them had hdr built in it will take a while for them to hit the market and you'll still be able to get hold of high definition screens or ultra high definition screens with just standard dynamic range for a number of years and we'll have to wait for those prices to come down and normalize a bit but yes certainly in in terms of the the latest models that these guys need to to sell to us and make money from high dynamic range was in majority of them And the three major flavors, high dynamic range, were represented uh, fairly equally amongst all uh, across the various vendors.
0: Right. So it's a bit like when, say, the, the iPhone went retina and stuff like that. Anybody who's doing television needs to be planning for HDR now needs to have something that will work with it because there will be more and more sets that are capable of delivering that resolution.
1: Yeah, I understand the difficulty for, for broadcasters. It's always a bit chicken and egg, you know, do, do, do we start making the content first or do you wait for enough devices to sort of hit there? And high dynamic range in its early days will be quite complex and complicated for, for certain productions to make. But the, but the technology is out there and it will be hitting the market. I think by 2020, it's predicted that around 37%, I think, uh, of sets in the UK will be UHD capable. And 2020 isn't that far away, really, when you think about it. And, you know, we don't necessarily think that all genres will make the switch to UHD HDR at the same time. It will suit certain genres more than others. But there is a lot out there in the marketplace already that hasn't come from traditional television broadcasters. It's the likes of your Amazons, your Netflixes, YouTubes. They've done a lot in the online space and broadcasters are taking a little bit longer to catch up. And we're not saying, you know, broadcasters should have the lion's share of all that uh, publicity and and promotion uh, of UHD HDR, but broadcasters have actually done the least in this space. So it is your Amazons, your your YouTubes, online players who have done the most work in this space so far and have the most content out there and have captured the public's imagination when you think of UHD HDR content.
0: And is that because they don't have to retrofit all their broadcast infrastructure to support it? They could just put more bandwidth uh, on on the streams that they're sending to people?
1: It's a little bit of that. You know, w- when they make a new commission, they can straight away, off the bat, ha- spec that, that program up to be made in UHD HDR formats. You, you could say the same for broadcasters. At the commissioning stage, you could commission it at UHD HDR, but broadcasters do have the extra complications to worry about in terms of backwards compatibility and you know the fact that not not all the audience will go to hdr at the same time you'll still have people with sdr screens and so that's why the bbc alongside nhk in japan have worked so hard on a standard of high dynamic range called hybrid log gamma that will be backwards compatible the same signal will work on sdr television sets as it will hdr television sets comparatively speaking hybrid log gamma was fairly late to the game amongst the other hdr standards that are out there but what was good at was that hybrid log gamma was present next to those other existing standards so we were sort of on the winner's podium if you like you know the other standards have been around a lot longer there's lots of content available that have been made in the uh, dolby flavor and the hdr 10 flavor of hdr but the broadcaster favored hybrid log gamma format there's less content as a result because it hasn't been around as long the uptake hasn't been there when we did see Hybrid log gamma screens, it was BBC content on 90% of them. So it was test material from the BBC's Natural History Unit, it was Planet Earth 2 material that had been captured and displayed in UHD, HDR, and it was on the screens on a loop constantly. And people uh, going to the vendor stands and the vendors themselves were really, really keen to shove it off. So where there was a hybrid log gamma television set available, it was BBC content that was constantly on a loop on most of them.
0: Right, so we'll have to come back to you next year to see how that's changed. What What was your other highlight?
1: So the next major trend, um, looking back at EFA last year, twenty sixteen uh there was so many smart home devices out there and we sort of predicted that there, there was too many different vendors too many different apps and remote controls and ways to try and integrate all these separate devices together that it would take someone to come along and sort of hoover them all up if you like and then at ces which is the consumer electronics show in las vegas in january uh the Bloom reported on just how it was Amazon's show amazon were everywhere and you know these guys they started out as an online shopping giant um but now they're, they're, they're everywhere and for 2017 cemented that so what happened with the smart home technology from for 2016 had now become all about which voice provider can control these devices for you and nine times out of ten wherever you looked that was amazon amazon's approach is very interesting because they are very deliberately gone out of their way to partner with so many different organizations they will work with whichever company they can to get Alexa into as many devices as they can so just to clarify Amazon began by selling you a device called the Echo which had the voice assistant Alexa inside it so if you wanted Alexa to begin with you had to buy an Echo the takeaway from EFA this year is that it's possible to have Alexa without ever buying an Echo device from an Amazon. And that's because Amazon has put Alexa into so many other devices made by other people.
0: That That's interesting because of course, when you look at say Google, Google obviously have their own hardware, but they bought Nest uh, in order to integrate some of that smart home. He's stressing that Amazon may not bother ever selling or manufacturing all the other peripherals. They'll just provide Alexa as the glue that links them all together with something going on, lower down the stack to make them all work together.
1: I think it will be a bit of both. Uh, Amazon recently have announced a new range of Echo devices, which they will still be more than happy to sell you, and they can quite easily sell it to people through their quite famous website. But she will also be in so many other devices and speakers as well. So some of the other devices made by some of these smaller companies were Echo-style devices. They were small, pod-like-looking speakers that you spoke to. Uh, you'd think Amazon might have wanted to put Alexa in different devices but actually they they didn't seem to care if a device replicated the Echo itself in form or function or design. They were still happy to put Alexa inside that device. Google were there with Google Home, they had a few partnerships. Um, Samsung were there with Bixby which is their voice-powered assistant built into a couple of their phones. Apple's Siri and HomeKit were there but again not a massive presence. But it was Amazon who who really went all out to to make a big song and dance about them attending EFA. And interestingly, where they chose to station themselves was in the hall amongst the other startup companies, innovation funds, um, up and coming smaller companies. They didn't hire out a, a big Rolls Royce of a stand or to themselves to kind of promote. Uh, you know, we are Amazon. They they wanted to put themselves in and amongst all these various smaller starter companies uh, that and and their story was look how much we are integrating with all these different companies look how helpful we can be in getting these other devices out to market and another interesting thing they were doing was working at a sort of chip and parts level so let's say you are a, a small startup company you want to make an echo-esque speaker uh, but you do not have any expertise in how the far microphones work these microphones that seem to pick up your voice from across the room um, well, Amazon will sell you a farfield microphone module, so you just simply integrate that into your product, and voila, you now have a fully functioning uh, Alexa-capable device that can pick people up from across the room. So that just helps explain how Amazon have got into so many devices so quickly. It's not just a case of licensing software; they're also helping companies out at the hardware level as well.
0: So, how long before those farfield microphones are integrated actually into the television? So you don't even have a separate device. How, how long before they disappear from view and are just part of all of the devices? You know, microphone in your toaster, microphone in your light switch, microphone everywhere.
1: I think that'll be one of the things to keep an eye on over the next few years, just to sort of see how seamless this voice integration becomes over the, the devices. That, that'll be the journey to, to sort of watch of this technology. And we're aware of at least one voice controlled Lex integrated television we're hopefully getting that into the blue room very soon so quick plug make sure that uh, you keep an eye and get to your nearest blue room because when we have that tv we want to show it off to
0: staff yeah no no I'll, I'll I'll be in there to have a look at it and of course it means that the the work we're doing on voice within the BBC and I've just I'm on the, the the trial to enable the BBC skill on my echo dot at home to try it out that that work becomes even more important
1: yeah and I think it's really important The the, the message we keep trying to say at the blue room is that with voiced is no such thing as second place so if you are the provider of a service be it news weather sport headlines and if you have a default when someone asks for news and let's say that's bbc news then that's a great result for us because if someone gets a news report and headlines spoken to them by the device and it sounds like news and it was vaguely uh it filled the job they're not going to necessarily come back to that device and say can i have more news from a different provider x they'll take that default and that'll be it so if we're not the default and another provider is there how many people are going to realistically go back to that device and say can you give me the news again but from the bbc or someone else so there isn't a second place if if the first default option is vaguely right that's all the viewer uh, the, the listener rather will will take away so it's really important that we're on these devices it's really important that it's easy to access us on those devices in a natural linguistic sort of way. Um, and if a competitor does any of those things better, then the audience will just find them and they will not stumble across us as easily as they have done on other devices.
0: Lastly, and thank you for, for that really helpful briefing, but, but lastly, you said there wasn't a new massive breakthrough this year. Do you think there will be next year? And if you do, take a punt. What's what's the thing we're going to be talking about in a year's time when you come back from IFA?
1: So sort of every two years or so with TV screens, you sort of see a new feature that gets pushed out to the consumers to try and get us out of this rut of only replacing our TV every six or seven years. You know, these guys can't wait that long to try and push new technology to us um, so over the years we had sd to hd and then 3d and then the curved screen and then uhd but just with standard dynamic range some of those work quite well for the content providers the audiences and the people who make the screens all at the same time so sd to hd is a good example of that everyone was a winner some of those you know less useful quite complicated you know 3d was very complicated for content makers to get their head around and that kind of fed into why it didn't really take off because it was very hard to make good 3D uh, easily Um, so we know with ultra high definition we've we've done the resolution uh, we're seeing now high dynamic range and wider colour gamut sort of being normalised into sets one of the other potential upgrades is the idea of a high frame rate so more pictures per second However, that's been sort of part while all this HDR stuff has been taken care of. But if I was a consumer electronics vendor and I need to sell TVs in the next couple of years, I'd be looking at that potential upgrade and I'd be starting to push that a bit. So even though lots of conversations and some of the complexity has to be solved on the production side, because not every genre is going to want to necessarily jump to a high frame rate or be able to to afford high frame rates, I think there will be a push from from the consumer screen manufacturers side of things because it's kind of just there waiting in the wings to be pushed and they need something to jump on so i would not be surprised personally if high frame rate starts to be talked about a lot more coming from the vendors primarily it's not going to be content makers or the audiences asking for it to begin with i think you'll see it sort of be promoted by by the screen vendors
0: well thank you colin and uh, we'll talk to you in a year's
1: time